Okay, quick disclaimer. If the audio sucks, it's because I forgot to ask Tabor to set up the more effective mic. <laughs> I had no clue she had a second mic in here, so I will do that next time for okay, the, the, so, the listeners. All right. Hi, Tabor. How are you? Hi. Um, are you surprised that you're already back on this when you told me that you wanted like an eight-episode buffer between uh, appearances on my podcast? Well, the eight-episode buffer was just so you could get more practice with it. But you know what? This episode is important, so <laughs> I'm willing to make exceptions. So if Tabor sounds tired, it's because he is fatigued from the last hour and a half that he just spent. At first, it was he was really excited. Um you just got one cough. <laughs> this is, he was really excited at first uh, to watch what I just made him sit through. And then about 25 minutes in, he was like expressing that it was getting a little painful to watch. We just watched the Bama Rush documentary on HBO. And this is a live reaction. I do not have my thoughts organized because I'm going to go into this in depth with Maggie. But Tabor has a lot of opinions. And I think you have some hot takes, mainly because I'm interested to get your perspective from like a lay person because I have a hard time sometimes deciphering between what the rest of the world cares about versus what I just care about. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but also you didn't force me to watch this. I was just as hype as everyone else. I think. Yeah, but that's like, that's the thing. Every, sure. Like, but here's the other thing is I also know way more about sororities than I probably should because I dated Two sorority girls in college. I'm not going to say. Humble brag. <laughs> not, not even a humble brag. My God. Then I ended up marrying a sorority dropout. So, Okay. More on that later. We're going to go into that, into that with Maggie. But, but uh, hold on. I'm not going to say houses or anything. But one of the girls I did date uh, was recruitment chair for her house. And then the following year was Panhell recruitment chair. So I know. A lot of nitty-gritty details. Um, like I said, I'm not going to get into house-specific stuff, but I know way more about Rush than probably even most people do. So that's why you had some strong reactions to the documentary, because you're like, this was not at all what was out. And Tabor spends a great deal of his time on TikTok. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I saw the whole Bama Rush craze. It wasn't like in my algorithm, like all these girls OOTDs, because that would have just been painful. When did you learn what OOTD meant? Do you think like it was back on Twitter and Instagram way oh, back when okay, long right. time ago. So it wasn't, it wasn't a TikTok. No, not a revelation from TikTok. Cool. But um, I was aware of it. And then I was also aware of the documentary coming out. And then also the massive freak out at U of A. Um, UA. UA. Um, about like these PMs with microphones or like glasses that had surveillance cameras in it and stuff. So I was I've been I've been following this and I've been very excited and it was absolutely a meltdown, not what I expected. So initial reaction, like what are what's your biggest takeaway? Um I, I cannot believe the producers at HBO let the director do what she did with it. I agree. So it's she murdered it. Okay. And not in the good way. <laughs> They're like, oh, sick. Killed it. No, no bad. It, it was bad. So I wouldn't say it was bad. It just, it they they did, they missed the mark. There were multiple things in the documentary. I'm going to, and again, I'm going to go into this in like detail with Maggie because she understands the nuance. She is in a, she was in a sorority at Alabama. She is not from the South. So has the context of like, like me, arrived at Alabama knowing next to nothing about the culture. But you there's, as there's, there's some ua specific stuff for sure that i'm not going to argue with but there's definitely just recruitment stuff in general that i feel like the population like 
actually would care about. Actually would care about, even though they didn't know what they didn't know that they should have. So to, I like, think, understand the process. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's actually interesting that that is kind of your main takeaway is like, yes, Alabama sorority. It's crazy. It's crazy. Way crazier than Michigan State It's super was, crazy. However, sure. in general, there's not been like an expose about Greek life in general in like Mm-mm. modern America. This could have done that, but then also emphasizing the sensationalized like wackiness almost and like campiness really of uh, Alabama Rush Alabama Rush is very camp. <laughs> like, I mean, Rush is its own thing. Everybody kind of rolls their eyes whatever campus you're on when you see like these hordes of women walking up and down <laughs> campus you know i'm not above to admit that me and one of my teammates would like drive around during rush and well, like yeah see all because these it's 2013 yeah it's like, like what you did yeah, yeah i get that so, i did not cat call i did not cat call thank you for clarifying yes i'm an ally <laughs> okay so yeah i think it my i was interested in your perspective because from like okay you were into the big 10 and mm-hmm. big 10 schools are astronomically different than sec schools i don't think it takes like the I, clarifying that no i mean if you just go to one tailgate versus the other i've never been to an alabama tailgate i made from, you go do you remember when i made you go to the national championship celebration well like several years we ago? quote unquote didn't know it was that weekend until we got there i avoided that I at all costs i can't remember if i actually for context tell you. for context in 2015 i played for michigan state oh my god i actually we, i forgot actually we lost to alabama in the playoffs we got absolutely annihilated it was like 38 to nothing so i had, I had a little bit stopped. of a sore spot i had graduated the year before i think yeah so anyway it's very different the cultures are very different like the tailgates at michigan state like the sorority girls like people get muddy it's nasty it's wet well, they it's wear cold. like cutoffs and like they wear like cutoffs and like cheerleading skirts whereas at alabama like, you wear like dresses and heels and yeah like, like girls wear makeup to to like party at michigan state but not like the hair and makeup of an alabama tailgate I walked by, or I drove by, I can't remember why I was driving downtown so late one night, and I drove by Rick's in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Do you know what girls wear out these days to go to bars? Well, now it's like those chunky tennis shoes oh and my like God. massive jeans. Oh my God. They had on jeans that could have been sweatpants with yeah. tennis shoes. Do you want to know what well, I, I mean? I, even at Michigan State when I was going oh my out God. in like 2014, 15, 16, girls were wearing like the six inch like platforms with like very short skirts and like booby shirts. I But like it's not like that anymore. I, Everybody dresses like Billie Eilish. Yeah. yeah. I, I, speaking of sororities, so I went to Western Michigan my freshman year and then I transferred to Alabama and I'm going to get into that whole sorority transferring story with Maggie because she was like there in real time when it happened. Um, but at Western, like I thought I broke my ankle one night because it was in the middle of winter and I had on a bodycon bandage skirt mm-hmm. and Windsor heels, like stiletto heels. One of my exes. And it was ice. One of my exes tore her like, labrum. That's what I had to yeah. wear. <laughs> one, one of my exes tore her labrum because it was icy outside and she slipped down the stairs at Rick's and grabbed, 100%. grabbed the handrail and tore her labrum. 100%. Like it's it's dangerous going out in <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Yeah, I know. I think it's, it's actually offensive that the girls get to go to bars dressed like that these days. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so you, my uh, we agreed. Like we, it took us like two hours to just watch that and we actually fast forwarded through a lot but my biggest faults 
And I think you agree. My biggest faults is, and I actually listened to a couple other podcasts. Kate Casey does like reality TV recaps. She is really funny, but I listened to her podcast, like recap of this. And she or the guest, I can't remember who said it, like they, they touched on everything, but they dove into nothing. And though, and that is also my biggest criticism because the two, in my opinion, the two main human interest pieces here were the machine. If we're talking Alabama specifically, which it sounds like you are disappointed that they didn't go into all of Greek life completely. Like, like at the end, they, the girl mentioned her Rokai. Okay. Well, no, they didn't explain what a Rokai is. We know what a Rokai is, but like the average person is not going to know what a Rokai is. And like that context matters. What I was looking for and what I'm disappointed we didn't get was like the casual viewer honestly doesn't know any more about Greek life rush, specifically sororities, than you did before the video. You leave with almost nothing. That's you, a great point. Yeah. Like, like I'm telling you guys, I know way more than I should. Okay, I know about bump groups. I know about the week. Yeah, Tabor, Tabor goes, do they get into bump groups? I'm like, excellent point, yeah, Tabor. No, I'm they like, don't. <laughs> like, like, I want, like, the people should know what goes on in the inside. that's what's interesting. That, to me, at least. But yeah. I, I guess, I, yeah. I don't know, I might be weird. But, like, Rokai's are so important. Those are, for those of you who don't know, those are girls that are in sororities for the sake of recruitment. They become, like, neutral parties to help guide these young girls through the stages of recruitment um going to the different houses like the door songs all that crap and then i mean you visit a couple more times right and then you get so bumped. That, so that like, was my other so much no that, that like, was no that was sorry i feel like it's gonna be I, i'm gonna have to get used to i feel like i'm interrupting a lot i need to st- i need to like work on that that's gonna be a a note that's why I told you to get eight, eight episodes in. So, <laughs> I'm okay. kidding. Um, no, that was a really good point of like they did. Wait, what did you just say? I just lost like my the train of thought. Like, oh, like, yeah. Rokai's, no, oh my like, God. Like, the, no, no, no. The door songs. The door songs. Like at the end. Dun, 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 boop, boop. Boop, boop. At the very end, they had like a shot of the girls like shaking their heads and like the hair and like looking absolutely insane. Like the that's pe- interesting. The people need to know how many hours right, those like girls are on their knees. No pun intended. <laughs> The ones that are like squeezing in the sides of the door. Mm-hmm. How many heads you're trying to fit in that doorway while being loud as shit, while being clapping on time, everything. It's a it's choreography. And like, I think that's interesting because as much as these girls want to get into these houses, these houses want the best girls. And they didn't get into that at all. And it starts with the door songs. It starts with... The members looking good. It starts with good bump groups because there are good bump groups and there are bad bump groups and certain girls get like elevated to different like bump groups. From your perspective, because like honest, again, I'm going to get into this with Maggie, but like I never went through, like I oh, never, you never had to recruit. No, I she never, dropped. I never, no, I didn't drop. Again, I'm going to get into it, but I never went through like rush on the the house side so i never had to Correct. go through a prep week so like i don't even from your perspective what is a bump group because i like i i it's like you like, like four girls are assigned to yeah and so like what happens the is, is PNMs, like, which means potential new member there it's a group and like one girl starts there's like many groups of girls that come i mean it's what like 30 50 groups of like no 50 girls at a time or something something well, insane school. at alabama yeah. it's like thousands yeah it's huge so like these bump groups, they get ready. So there's girls in the back and then there's like a signal and it's like, oh my God, this is my friend Haley, um, blah, 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 blah. And there's like code words. There's ways oh, that's to right. like, yes, yes. there's like ways to signal like 
this is a good PM, this is a bad one. Like, like there's like signals that they have, and I can't remember specifics, but it's like there is a method to the madness. Like right. it's and not like, just random girls coming up to you. Like these girls know each other. They have ways to communicate like about you if you're the P and M. Well, and then at the very end, you were like, okay, well, I wanted to know about like the. Did you say dirty rushing? Oh my like, god, dirty rushing. Okay, yeah. so for those of you who don't know, it's like in the football world it like, is actually incredible how much you know i know this. it's like but it's insane it, it, it's so crazy so it's like like recruiting like in football like doing dirty stuff in recruitment it's the same thing how unsurprised were you when the girl shelby the i don't want to bully here no of course I, not. we're not no, 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 bullying no, no, no. but it's no, like but Tabor, how how unshocked were you when it it there she was showed a, a her cra- resume well it was a camera shot to her with like a local pageant crown uh, How they, alarmingly unsurprised were you? I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. And then she's like, I'm so happy about my my Rush resume. And I like look and I'm like, of course it's her pageant headshot. Right, because there's a direct Miss America slash Miss USA um, to... Pipeline. Yeah, to sorority recruitment pipeline. It's like, especially in, at Alabama. And here's the thing. So many points within the documentary, you know, okay, so there was that Hold scene... On. Let me circle back. The dirty rushing of like contacting these girls before they get to campus is like totally like quote unquote illegal to do. So like every house is supposed to meet these PMs for the first time and supposed to like their first contact is during rush, during these bum groups and stuff like this. They are not supposed to be able to message them on Facebook or Instagram. Hey girly, you're so cute, blah blah blah. Even if it's like Is that the message you would send? Hey girly. Oh, like I yeah. I dirty you, rush would girls. You, would you no. start with a hey girly? Hey, queen. If, if I was, yeah, it, it's it's got to read like an MLM, like your friend from high school messaging you about joining. Can everyone MLM. can everyone tell how much how what the type of conversation is in our household at all times? Because Tabor knows that the top three things that I care about <laughs> talking about are like cults, MLMs, and rel- religious oppression. <laughs> yeah, we're I, on that later. I'm totally exposing myself and. <laughs> I don't know how many guys are going to listen to this that know me, but probably like, none. And I don't think they I identify a, as straight if they do. Well, great because I know way more than I should. <laughs> so, okay, in in my opinion, they missed the mark on getting into the nitty gritty of prep week, the bump groups, the door songs, all that stuff. But then that's just rush. So, and that's just rush. But then, oh, I actually, I just remembered that I have a, a dirty rush story. So Maggie will also remember this, but the house that we lived on in Tuscaloosa. So I don't know if, oh my God, I should have like started with this. So I went to the University of Alabama. That's why I give so many fucks about this because I have a very personal situation that happened within the Greek system at Alabama. And I, when, when rush started, when Alabama rush started blowing up on TikTok and the rest of the world became enamored and really intrigued by this and really started to love to hate it or make fun of it. I was like, God, it's really weird watching other people catch on to something that has actually really deeply affected you. And that's also happened lately with Crimsonettes. Tabor, have like have Crimsonettes shown up on your for you page? The girls trying out. Oh yeah. And there was one that was Cute. bad. Oh bad. No, okay. bad. Again, we're not bullying. We're here. not bullying, and I'm not no. saying names, but it was not good. But that it, it's like it's very bizarre for me yeah. to have things that I am very deeply attached to, but also have like and, a history and that have a like very not... deeply rooted history with, and some I would say some trauma involved, sure. and to have the rest of the world all of a sudden 
discover it. it. Yeah. And is like hold it to a high regard. Very strange. Like, oh my God, I wish I could do this. It's very and it's strange. like, if you, if you only knew, but I, that's like a thing with a lot of like well, flashy. Yeah. But it's almost like I want to shake people. And I also like people who influencers I follow, TikTokers I follow, I found myself kind of like, Sometimes I like maniacally respond to their stories of like, I have tea. I am like, I have information. Oh my God. You've yeah. Like, um, this one girl I follow, she has done a lot of commentary on it. And I feel like I've like really blown up her DMS, which is kind of embarrassing, but I'm just like, so I want her to know that she's right. And she's like hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. With well, that's important. some of her speculation. Yeah. And that is important. Um, but no, so Maggie and I lived in this corner of Tuscaloosa. We lived right on the strip, which is right where all the bars, the main restaurants are. And we took over this house that had been in the Kappa Delta house for like many, many, many years. Oh, and like, girls would just pass it down and pass it down and pass it down. There were many of those at state. Okay. Yeah. So it just kind of like stays in even like one sorority or it, so they called this corner that we lived on Katie Corner because there were Katie's who lived in our house and there was a Katie house directly like Hattie Corner from us. So they called it Katie Corner. We like watched the night before bid day. We watched them have all, a bunch of PNMs over to the house and they were like, so you could have reported them. They For would have been sure. Screwed. Well, and I lived like Maggie and then all of our roommates were 80 pies. They're like, we could fuck them over like right now, but it's like not worth it. At that point. At that point. Like, it's honestly, over. who cares? We were all seniors. We were like, For sure. fuck this. I don't even think anybody was really affiliated anymore. I think some of the, I think some of them had deactivated. It doesn't matter. But yeah, just like shit like that. It, that's what's interesting. So beyond that. For me. But that's the other funny thing is like houses rat each other out all the time. Like, right. And they touched on it way too lightly. It's like the one girl at the very beginning, the first 10 minutes is like, yeah, I got dropped because I wore another house's letters. Uh, yeah, dipshit. Like, but oh, they don't the touch on it. Thing. The yes. sticker thing. That and was what like, initially pissed Tabor off. But it's like. Is that the, this girl was dropped from her sorority. Actually, I have two questions about this. The one girl was dropped from her sorority for wearing a different sorority sticker. Again, we understand why that's a big deal, but they didn't explain, okay, so you can't, you, you are not allowed to wear your letters. You're not allowed to wear another house's letters. Like yeah, They, they kind of touched on all the rules. And but if you not were, in like a concise not way. Not in that a concise laid, way. They needed to be laid out. They like, sprinkled it in throughout the documentary. And if you were anything like us, you were very bored and scrolling yeah. on your phone, you're going to miss it. And th- I watched it twice. I watched it once the other day and I got so bored. I was scrolling a lot and then I just made Tabor rewatch There it. were like a lot of things that should have been cuts away from actual film and like an interesting bullet point, like yes. on screen. <clears throat> like, and you, I know they had access to these. You could get the standards from some of these girls at the house and like list why. So like, the you cannot drink in your letters you can't look like shit at class in your letters like so many rules that and it's funny that same girl 45 minutes into the documentary at one point was like yeah standards it felt like they were looking for a reason to get rid of me and if you like watch it and know who i'm talking about <laughs> he was like yes babe they yeah were. like we can tell Again, they were know. they were absolutely looking for a reason to get rid of but, me but hold on the other thing is sorry i just remember this with standards comes jayboard and that shit can get nuts because and they they touch on this it's like it absolutely is subjective when it gets to to jboard and depending on who you are and depending on who jboard is at that time if you're an underclassman if you're an upperclassman like 
there's a shit ton of politics, obviously. And I'm not just saying that because it's a group of girls, but it's like... I was affiliated with a sorority for like six months and I got sent to standard three times. Do you well, want to hear what were, it was for? You were screwed from the start, though. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Three, Do you want to hear what Three it was times for? in the first year? Yeah, you're done. I was very highly recruited because I was the feature twirler. I got sent to standard three times. One was because we had a date party and my boyfriend at the time, he went to... Michigan and he drove to Kalamazoo and I had just gotten done with practice. I hadn't eaten anything all day. I put vodka in a Mountain Dew bottle and I just like chugged the whole thing and I blacked out and I vomited. I've never heard this story. (laughs) And I vomited. This is disgusting. I should have put a trigger warning on this. And I vomited like at the day party. I was so like I was like it was bad. It was very bad. And you caused a scene at a date party no, as a I freshman? Didn't, no, no, no. I did not cause a scene. I was a freshman, but I didn't cause a scene. And then I got sent to standards. And I found out I got sent to standards for, like, basically being sloppy. Yeah. Um, I got a Facebook message, and a girl said it was, like, you know, immediately my heart, like, falls into my asshole. I was, like, <laughs> petrified. <laughs> she was, like, she said something about how, like, I had to show up to, like, a, like basically a standards meeting. And I asked, I said, can I ask what for? Obviously. Like, I obviously Good knew. God. And she goes... For not, uh, I literally remember this like it was yesterday. Like, Tabor, you know how horrible of a memory I have? Yeah, but it I remember traumatized this, you so bad that it like. But I literally remember, I remember how I was sitting. I remember what I was wearing. And <laughs> she she said, I have my laptop on my lap. This Facebook message pop up and she goes, for not, uh, for acting in a way that is not becoming of a insert house. So, okay, so that was one. And then I got Santa Steiners two more times for just not going to things. On that note, my the three things that I wish, if we're talking about, again, there could have been like, uh, Tabor, you said it well, that this realistically should have been a four-part docuseries. The first being about Greek life as a whole, the the, the idiosyncrasies, the the niche you can fit, content. You can fit Rush The second one, and then from that. there, it, it should have been all the background. The, like, yeah, the bump groups, all of that stuff. And then from there, it should have been Alabama Focus and why this has become such a phenomenon and such like, honestly this obsession in the social media zeitgeist, at least for, you know, two weeks out of the year, (laughs) every fall. From there, I think the three things they should have focused on is one, potentially the sexism between IFC, which is the fraternity council. And that's a whole thing in itself. And that's a whole thing in itself versus Panhellenic. And the sexism, in my opinion, that goes into that, which they, by the way, did not even... Not not a pinky the only thing was they, placed on that. The only thing they said was boys are allowed to have alcohol in the house, their houses, and girls are not. Like, yeah. That's it. That's right. it. Like, but, but the sexism in that is like rampant to me. So that should have been a huge conversation. Um, the And in, in that, it's the whole how the girls said that they had to have, you know, at least two of the three done. They had to either have their hair done and their makeup done. Or, or a an nice outfit, outfit. Right? So you had to have two of those three done. Like that's... It, it's and this we you know a lot of us have been to college sometimes you think you have two out of the three <laughs> like it's it's honest it can be an I, honest mistake. i think i had at least one out of the three today would you say that would you agree today yeah no no <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm sending you to jayboard <laughs> of our house was, yeah rue's definitely going to jayboard she looked like a ragamuffin she had so, a cute outfit on today. she did okay so she blueberries everywhere so Honestly, the sexism and the the constant um, wanting them to look well done. They want wanting them to look like, you know, representative of they want them to look feminine. Right. They want them to look womanly. They want them to look classy. They want them to look how this the the picture perfect. I I agree with back you. in the day. Kind of. But but stay with me for a second. Is that not the whole goal of 
Sure, but we're conservatives. <laughs> well, of like sticking to the old sure. values, like that. That that I'm just saying, this is a hole to like dive into. Absolutely, I agree with you. I'll do the devil's advocate thing. I completely agree with you, especially in this this age where we're kind of everyone, you know, on the on the left at least is deconstructing gender norms and stuff like that. Like, why right. not go into that? But devil's advocate, I'm a part of a large organization. We have uniform standards. When we play socks, jerseys, uh, shirts hanging out of our jerseys, technically, we're not allowed to have that, like certain number of armbands, like knee pads covering the actual knee, like we have standards too. So when you're dealing with large amounts of people in a large organization, especially one that does uh, philanthropic stuff in the community and has like national, you know, membership, I can understand controlling the looks, um, but it obviously gets to an absurd point. Um, I mean, and plus talk about the consumerism of TikTok, Alabama Rush. These girls are wearing $10,000 worth of jewelry and like $500 dresses and like $600 shoes. So all in all, that the sexism, the other two things that should have been the focus of the documentary is the machine and the racism. People who are not from Alabama don't have never heard of the machine and genuinely would think it's fake and would think it's this urban legend rumor. That's not real. And I will talk about this more with Maggie, but it was, I think the fact that that whole segment of the machine and the, 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 the political influence and the societal influence, the fact that it was like six minutes of this hour and a half documentary is egregious to me. There was so much dropped in it it made me even more furious about how the director just put the spotlight back on okay, her. Okay, you can like, talk about the director now. I mean, that, like... And then we're going to wrap this up. It, it's the scenes at the end, the false equivalencies. I'm like, I guess I get what you're trying to, like, get at. But, dude, like, let it run. Like, fundamentally, I don't know, any, to do I don't with know anything about filmmaking. However... Does it not seem like a little bit of uh, an issue that she clearly became too attached to the subjects and she clearly inserted herself in a narrative that did not have anything to do with her? No, like teach us about Rush. That's that's my main thing is like teach us about sorority Rush. That's what I was hoping and for in this documentary. And expose the fucking insanity that is Alabama Rush. You have your own machine of HBO funding this thing. Make it a three-part, 45-minute segment well, now there's rumors that Netflix is doing one, too. I hope to God they actually get into what Rush is because this was just a weird narrative thing. Right. And I need to ask Maggie actually about the girl who um, got kicked out for the sticker. I don't understand how she can go through Rush again. I need Maggie to explain that. To I don't understand I don't, that. And she yeah. like was talking like she was holding out hope for it. I'm like, dude, you don't have a shot. Yeah. Especially at Alabama. Maybe yeah. if you went to like... Alabama Southern and tried to rush there maybe after being dropped. I don't even think you can after that. But it was like the subjects were bad. Then the director inserted herself. And then we really don't know anymore. The subjects weren't bad. I just think that they this is not what they needed. They, From my perspective. The rush consultants sent a shiver down my spine. Taylor found major fall with the rush consultants. That was so sad. Why was it sad? I just think? think it was so I think it's sad. Okay, I understand why girls might feel like they need to hire someone like that, but it's just like the biggest non thing ever. I it, it just 
it's so weird to me that there are quote unquote rush consultants. Here's the like, thing. That's so I, I weird. think what that teaches us is that you can make money doing literally anything. Oh my God. And what do these rush consultants need for their resume? I was in a sorority. Okay. Yeah. And there, to me, it, it, it definitely, it gave, um, like local pageant director vibes. Big time. And yeah. again, I know way yeah. too much, but that is so accurate. <laughs> yeah. It's very, um, there's a lot of parallels with that too. Okay. Tabor, any final thoughts? Thank you so much. I, this live reaction was everything. I'm probably going to make you do this a lot. Oh, wait, hold on. I was super fired up. Hold on. Can I have you for two more minutes? Are you going to wish me a happy birthday? Oh my God. It's Tabor's birthday today. Happy birthday, honey. I'm 29. And looking fine. You get 60 seconds to give everyone your opinion on Scandaval. Go. Dude, what a rat. What a worm. <laughs> I hated James Kennedy for the longest time, but him and Lala. Mm. Ugh, I watched the first re- part of the reunion. So good. Scandaval is a horrible liar. The cutups of him from like the past nine years of him like saying the same lines like yeah we, we haven't had sex in three months i feel like you didn't like me like he said that like literally like, said the same thing to kristen t- 10 years ago there were like four quotes that he's repeated three times each over nine years to like different women and it's like oh my god this guy has it like all in his head he's a bad liar um he said he absolutely wasn't trying to create a smoke screen when he told Schwartz to make out with Raquel. Bullshit. Bad liar. You think that's for sure. He was that's, for sure a decoy. He thought he was being smart. But yeah. like as we've seen, Sandoval's a fucking idiot. And Schwar- the only person dumber than him is Schwartz. Absolutely. Which is astounding. <laughs> and But totally makes sense why they're best friends. But holy mother Wait, of God. Did you, did, you really loved the part. Where I, made, I made you pay attention when they said that they borrowed like $200,000 each from their families. And then the girl said that they made $200,000 in merch since Scandal broke. Andy knew what the, he was doing. He totally did. The look on the guy, the boy's face they was like... They wanted to vomit. They wanted to die. And dude, you took that from your mom's retirement account. I dude. I know. I know. He's a piece of shit. Tabor. Too many, too many things in the air for you to juggle Sandoval, man. It was your favorite moment when he... Lala was my favorite moment of the entire thing. Well, Lala. Yeah. I, I love Lala, but I could only love her from afar because she scares the shit out of me. He thinks Lala is petrifying because she he said she's too mean. James, uh, we love James. He actually Taylor tried to get a cameo for me for my birthday well, from James I, Kennedy. I did get one, but he, he hasn't sent it yet. Hot take. This is news, everybody. James Kennedy did not meet the deadline. <laughs> He's probably being California sober this weekend. Oh my god, yeah. Honestly, I think my my conclusive thoughts on uh, all of this is that I think oh, I'm sorry. We're supposed to believe that. James Kennedy is, in fact, still sober based off of his performance A on Watch What Happens Live when he literally was shaking. James Kennedy is not sober, and that's a hill I'm going to die on. Okay. Wait, can you do your Sandoval no, impression really quickly? No, that was sign us out. No, that I wanted it. you. That was it. Sign us out. Okay, no. fine. All right, Tabor, thank you. This was really wonderful. I'm probably going to make you do this more uh, live reactions to shows. Okay. Do you want to say goodbye to everybody? I did. Oh, okay. All right. Love you. Love you. Okay, bye. Since I haven't like worked like a corp corporate job that requires me to like talk to people who aren't a toddler, I like don't remember how to do anything on a computer. I don't remember how to talk to people. So <laughs> so this will be really fun. Also, happy early birthday. Oh my god, thanks. It's my birthday in four hours. I do have you on the clock. We only have 30 minutes to do this, and it's because okay. Vander Vanderpump Rules starts in 29 minutes. For but sure. I'm, For but sure. I am 
I'm anticipating not making that happen, but it's okay because I can watch on the peacock and it's like the unedited. You don't care about this. You don't listen to me. You don't watch. I, rules. Okay. So I started Vanderbilt rules recently, so I will, I will get there, but I do not give a singular fuck about it. <laughs> I know it's so frustrating. It's so annoying. It's okay. terrible. I'm just going to watch Vanderpump rules on Peacock. It's fine. This is more important. Kind of. Okay. So backing up. Hi, Maggie. Hello. I'm Hi, Maggie. excited to be here. Would you like to introduce yourself or do you want me to do it? That sounds um, more fun. Why don't you do it? Okay. So Maggie is one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. You are still the only person on this planet who I've ever shared a bathroom with. Really? You're the wow. only you're the only person I've ever shared a like yeah, you're the only person I've ever shared a bathroom with who I'm not married to. And you're the only person who's Moroccan oil shampoo I've ever used <laughs> in that yeah. bathroom. We shared, I think honestly, the most notable part of our friendship is that we shared a bathroom in Tuscaloosa with what it wasn't even a vanity do you remember it was literally just a bowl sink yeah like a like a pedestal sink and did did what did she another gal in our home not have her other uh, i'm own gonna talk shit about a roommate in a little bit so don't worry okay. about it <laughs> well, did, did she who will not be named um have her own bathroom in that third bedroom yes oh okay remember, yeah so it like, was just you and i okay i was trying to remember if there was three of us upstairs sharing a i was about bath. to talk shit about her and say you couldn't see the floor of her room but your room was actually fully worse than hers so okay <laughs> wait okay but at least okay wait hold on let me back up let me back up this is maggie maggie and i met at a baton contest in yes. 2011 12 uh 2000 hold on i have to cough <laughs> okay i'm done mm-hmm so we, we met at a baton contest in 2012 and I was, a, I was, a. it was, we were going into my first year at the university of Alabama. I actually need to back up. Oh God. I don't even know how to start this whole story. Okay. First of all, <laughs> we're talking about the Bama rush documentary that you and I have been anxiously waiting for. And I think we can super agree bowl. we were, it was supposed to be the super bowl kind of, and it was the toilet bowl. It was so bad. And it was Tabor, awful. so actually, did I tell you Tabor and I did like a little, like just a, a recap that I'm also going to put in this episode that he, it was like a direct reaction because I made him watch it. Oh no, I'm he so call, he, he tried to call you in the middle of it. Wait, we did talk to you. Uh, wait, yeah, wait, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's while we were watching it. Oh and he, yeah. Okay. Yes. So we, we did a, I made him film a live reaction or record a live reaction. And so he just bitched about like how they didn't go into like bump groups and oh my God, yeah. like prep week. Like he was more annoyed that they didn't go into like sorority life. That wasn't Alabama focused, but I'm like, no, yes, I agree with you. But after I thought about it, I'm like, no, that wasn't the point. The point was to go into how insane Alabama is. And my initial after watching it twice because I watched it the first mm-hmm. time and I was scrolling my phone most of the time because it was Same. so shockingly boring. And then I actually paid attention the second time to like take notes. Awful. The three biggest pieces I wish they would have focused on. And the three biggest like human interest pieces I think are the racism, hundred percent, the in, like the white supremacy, all of that. And then, mm-hmm. so that's number one, the machine of it all mm-hmm. is number two. And then like the misogyny, Mm-hmm. of 
having to either have, you know, like your hair and your makeup done or your outfit and your, you know what I mean? Like of you have to present your, you have to present yourself Mm -hmm. as the perfect woman almost to be highly admired and highly recruited Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. by women, but also like represent them to the fraternities exactly in your best way possible. So with all of that, I went to like full little backstory very quickly. I did my first year um, of college at Western Michigan university. My mom forced me to go to an in-state school for like scholarship reasons. I was a feature twirler there. It was fucking awful. I hated it. It was miserable. Um, had a really great baton coach though. And like, I got really good in that year. So like, that was a net positive, I guess, but (laughs) I really, but I really had always wanted to go to Alabama from like early on in high school one Michigan's junior miss and it was in the national competition was in mobile. And yes. that's how I ended up like getting a separate scholarship to go to Alabama, which was wasted by the way, because I went to Western for a year. Doesn't matter. Um, my point oh my is, God, is that for real? That's yeah. Nice. But that's how that all even happened. Mm-hmm. So it was when I was trained when I was at Western, I decided, okay, I want to transfer to Alabama it was that summer before my first year at Alabama, which was technically my sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody is following this story. No following. Yes. Okay. Maggie is two years younger than me. Correct. So when yeah. I was going into my first year at Alabama, that's when Maggie and I met at nationals at this baton competition. And because I had an Alabama tank top on and she had also wanted to go to Alabama. And so Nancy, her mom was like, you need to go talk to that girl. And then we fell in love. You came mm-hmm. and stayed with me. To like visit the school. And then your first year, your freshman year, I was Miss Michigan. So I was in the prison. only person I knew on the line. I know. Back in Michigan. I know. I was like, because shit. I was anyway, moving on. By the time I got back to school, I was a senior mm-hmm. and you were a sophomore. We Starting lived sophomore together. Season. We lived together mm-hmm. in this house with a bunch of other racists, <laughs> uh, fully a bunch of other racists. So uh, they are no, no, all no. so scary. <laughs> but it, but again, we'll get there in a second. And I like kind of feel bad because I, you know what? I guess I don't. I'll start with my sorority experience, and then we will segue into yours because I honestly, like, I did not experience sorority life at Alabama. So like, you can speak on this. When I when I was at Western, I didn't really know anything about Greek life or sororities. I just like, I literally, the only thing I knew about Greek life was like from television Mm and like the show Greek that used to be on ABC family. Did Mm -hmm. you ever watch that? Okay. I did not, but I, but similarly, yeah. Like all I I knew was like from television or media. Exactly. Or like lifetime movies. Okay. So like, you know, those like slasher movies. They were so good though. (laughs) They were so good. (laughs) So I rushed, or I went through recruitment or whatever you want to call it. And I was initiated into what was kind of deemed as like the quote unquote top house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a huge national chapter, huge. And really, I think probably like considered a top house at a lot of schools. I don't know about like most, but like a lot. Yeah. A majority. A majority. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool. And again, I was a feature twirler. I was super mm-hmm. busy. So I didn't really go any go to anything, which got me sent to, I told Tabor this and we talked about this already, but I got sent to standards like constantly, but I initiated because it was there for a full year. I initiated. And then when I decided to transfer, I 
was like, well, I really, you know, it's Alabama Greek life. I know that I knew that Greek life was huge in the South. I didn't know it was specifically like so maniacal in Alabama, mm-hmm. but I was like, I know I want to do this. So I had emailed someone and they, when I transferred Alabama, let me go, this gets really dicey. And I don't have like the email address anymore. So I couldn't, I tried to like dig a little and do some research, but I can't remember. And I don't really want to like reach out to nationals. Cause like, yeah, no, um, my, I think the email that I would have, yeah, I guess. Yeah. My Alabama email. So I had reached out to the chapter at Alabama and we had been communicating back and forth and back and forth a lot. And then all of a sudden that, and then like school started, they were like, yeah, come to the house, like come hang out. We'll, you know, and then all of a sudden that communication just like stopped and I didn't push it, but they were like actively not proactive. And I was a crimsonette and like, you can agree crimsonettes are highly recruited. 100%. Right. Yeah. So I, it was very bizarre to me and I really let it go for several months. And then one of our roommates one day was like, we were talking about it and it was an old row sorority that is very historically, would you say like cemented in like Alabama culture? Yes. Um, and also has a history now. Oh yeah. Okay. This is important. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly racist. Okay. Um, So this is, this is important. So I, one day was just kind of one night was talking to my roommate. This is, you weren't even at school yet. Cause this is still my first year at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, we were living in those, the other two girls who we then later lived with, but I lived with them my first year as well. Yeah. Those apartments where I remember this vividly, we're standing in the kitchen and this one girl who she and I, I mean, at the time were pretty close and she's like wacky, but she was very kind in this moment. And she's from the South mm-hmm. and she kind of gently started suggesting to me that potentially the reason why that communication had halted was because they figured out that I was biracial Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what she was saying. I didn't get it. And then all of a sudden it like clicked and I felt an, a shame and an embarrassment, a deep, deep level of embarrassment that I had never felt in my life because what she was trying to say is that Alabama Greek life is still segregated. Mm-hmm. Right. And having a biracial girl in that chapter, however white passing I am, would have been um, what is the word I'm looking for? It would have been quite historical. Yeah. Their alumni also would not have approved it. That's it, a great, great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Alumni <laughs> have such a big say, especially in old rose sororities, that it wouldn't have like in who gets recruited. So, so that's a, that's a really great point. And I actually, after the Bama rush stock, I don't, it was before it dropped. It was when the trailer came out and you know, all of this was circulating on TikTok. Cause honestly, TikTok is how it started is yeah. like why anybody gives a fraction of fuck about Greek mm-hmm. life in Alabama is because of TikTok. Well, I have like a relatively like decent TikTok following now. So I was like, you know what? I have like sat on the story for a really long time. Like I'm interested to see how this is received. So I told it just like I just told it. And, um, where was I going with this? Oh, and a lot of people were like, how do you know? That's not, how do you know that's what happened? But you like, they, 
again, you don't look black. Like how would they have known? And I'm like, first of all, you can't tell someone that they don't look their race. That's a microaggression. You're a racist. Like, yeah, you're literally like racist I don't, I don't understand why we have, I'm literally, I'm sweating. I have to take my sweater off. <laughs> like, yeah. like this Go is read why a book and donate yeah. to no. somewhere. Like, okay. What's wrong so that that's number one. Number two is <laughs> I do not know for a fact that this was the case. What I'm saying is the fact that this was even mentioned as a possibility is a is problem. A, is a, I mean, egregious mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. and to kind of, and again, I will say over and over again, I have no idea that this is what happened. It could have been random. It could have had nothing to do with race. However, it is highly likely that that was the case. Absolutely. And very few people are going to argue with me on that. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, again, the university of Alabama Greek life was segregated at this time. This was 2012 that this mm-hmm. happened. Fall of 2014, I also, this is a flashable memory, you and I are sitting on our porch, and mm-hmm. we lived with three or four, I can't remember how many people lived three. in that, fucking, that of, fucking house. It was like yeah. a host. It was a hostel. So that's how our house was. But we were sitting on the porch that, by the way, do you know what I'm about to say? Oh my God, the flag. Our roommates hung a Confederate flag from our porch. In a from house our that fucking I, porch. From I a forgot porch, about that. From a porch at a house that I lived in. Yes. That like, like on game day, a a lot of Alabama football players families would park in our yard because it was so close to the stadium mm-hmm. and like pay us for parking. And I just can't even imagine them getting out of their vehicles, mm-hmm. seeing that we were offering parking and then looking at this fucking house and seeing a Confederate flag. Yes. People of color getting out of their cars and being like, yes. oh, lovely like right to this lovely house i walked into yeah so the confederate flag hanging from the porch and i'm sitting underneath it i just want everybody to to take a visual of that for a second and i remember getting an article like texted and it was this same sorority that i had already Mm -hmm. been initiated into by the way the the important part here is that i hadn't just like gotten a bid from this i was initiated initiated into this sorority okay (laughs) into this national so while this was all happening where I remember getting, uh, it was during boot camp. we got, I was texted a link and it was this sorority mm-hmm. that was in USA Today and it was a USA, I literally remember this so perfectly. It was mm-hmm. a USA Today article and it was Alabama sorority, Snapchat goes viral and it was two girls yeah. mm-hmm. and the caption was roll tide, something, something, we didn't get any mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. n-word this year yeah and you all want to look at me and say no that's not what happened right right it was that sorority it was that it sorority literally was that exact so, same sorority, so. even if that's <laughs> like that's your it's not even the point is it, it do you understand what i'm saying and i get really yeah. funky when i talk about this because it is really like i still feel a lot of shame about it and i the reason why i feel shame is because i was embarrassed that i did not understand so with that, yeah. what was your understanding? What is your, your, um, how you even decided to rush? Because it's mm-hmm. interesting that I think you and I being from the North were, you know, as they would say, fucking Yankees. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in the documentary that they chose to follow these girls, except for the one girl, Michaela, who was from Leeds. They all chose to highlight and follow out of state girls. Yeah. 100%. So as an out of state, you know, recruit or whatever, like, what was your knowledge of this? give me a little like spiel yeah. of like 
your brie, you know, your experience, whatever. So basically I remember deciding to go to Alabama and I remember my, the, one of the girls who I knew was going to be my roommate who's my, one of my best friends now. Um, she and I basically were like, we're going to school from Iowa. We're going to go to Alabama. We're getting the fuck out of here. Like we're done with, you know, like our home, our respective hometowns, whatever. And I knew that I was going to audition for the Crimsonettes, but I had not yet, <clears throat> excuse me. I had not yet enrolled in recruitment because that doesn't happen until I don't think I rec- enrolled in recruitment until like summer of my senior year. So like that would have been summer of 2013 or like spring of 2013. Um, but I did go to, so basically I knew it was a big deal at Alabama. That's that, that's the basic gist is I knew that if you didn't rush at Alabama and this is all just things that people told me, like if I didn't rush, I would not have any friends. I well, get- the girl, that girl, Michaela in the documentary, she was rushing as a sophomore. And she said, you know, I decided not to rush because for whatever reason, it was a lot. It was, I was going to be too busy. Yeah. And then she said she felt so isolated. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I'm because sure you did. There's nothing else to rushes. do. Yeah. 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 The There's whole, nothing else to do. Whole campus is essentially Greek life and is centered around Greek life. So, I mean, Alabama has And the here's the thing. I think that's also, sorry to interrupt you. No, I think that's fine. also- something that I wish they would have highlighted on that something that something about Alabama specifically that makes it so weird mm-hmm. or so crazy or so like highlightable yeah. for this specifically is that that's not the case. It's not, if you're not in Greek life, you're not going to be ostracized yeah. at another university, yeah. but at Alabama, you are even at like, we have ventured to a lot of other SEC schools, mm-hmm. like for football games and stuff. It's it not like not that. I'm sure it's maybe like that at like Ole Miss, I think, but you know what I mean? Like I'd say that's part of, that's part of what maybe Georgia, but like for sure, not Tennessee, like I, I, for sure, not Kentucky. I feel like that's part of what makes Alabama so like under the microscope here is that you are an outsider. If you are not in Greek life, not to mention if you're a person of color. Okay. Okay. Keep going. But do you remember like, I mean, and to your point, like they would call people who didn't join fraternities or sororities they would call them jeeds oh of course Goddamn yeah. independence is what they referred to them as and i was like losers that means losers that means losers yeah that, that means, means loser. you did not like you actively chose to not to not be a part of something because you a couldn't afford it mm, b huge. are a yeah. are a person of color or c you were just like uninterested in that kind of lifestyle and therefore you're just lame as fuck like oh my god that could have been my fourth bullet point is the accessibility of it all like yeah it's so inaccessible the the finance the financials is are unspeakable it's so expensive i mean my dues my dues at western i remember them they were like six hundred dollars and i remember being like oh my god this is so much money at alabama they're like is it it's like thousands and thousands and thousands it is when i was in school it was uh, 3,500 a semester. Oh my God. And now I would assume that is much, I mean, oh, I would easily. assume this was 10 years easily, ago. Yeah. I mean, I would assume easily now six grand a semester. Like that would be a conservative guess. Well, because they built all those new houses. So obviously the houses are going to go up because yep. where did you ever live in the 80 pie, the initial 80 pie house or did you no, move in after not. the new one? I didn't live in either. I, oh, you never lived in either, but was, was, was the new one built though? When you got there, yes, the new one was built my okay. freshman year. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. So they, I remember when they had to move out of the other one. Yeah. So that was like, so that's the other like appeal, right? Is that you go and visit Alabama and you're this like bright eyed, bushy tailed 17 year old and you see all these beautiful homes and you're mm-hmm. like, 
well, wait, I want to be a part of that. Like, I want to be a part of that, like that wealth or that camaraderie or that, that kind of like quote family, um, because that's what they branded as. And then, and then at some point throughout my senior year, I ended up getting, and this is the most bizarre thing in the world. And I'm going to go ahead and like, if you don't mind, I'm going to out the sorority because I don't totally, totally. Um, Fine you, which is one of a historically top house at the University of Alabama, by far. Um, sent me a Christmas card. And it was my senior year of high school. And I had done, I had been accepted, I think, to the University of Alabama, but I had done nothing else. Like I hadn't signed up for uh spring ice water teas. I hadn't signed up for Rush. I had not signed up for Alabama uh Crimson Net tryouts. But somehow, like through, you know, just like I'm sure crimsonettes or like whatever they sent me this like Christmas card. And I remember being like, Oh my God, like one of these, like I only knew find you as a top house from what other people had told me, but I, so I just felt so like, you feel so like included and you feel so special when, you know, these, these houses are, are trying to recruit you. And so is that when you realized it was a big deal? Because I remember the day mm-hmm. I realized this was such a huge deal is that my Crimsonette class, I was the only, or it was Katie K and I yeah. were sophomores and then everybody else were freshmen and they were all rushing. And one of the girls, her mom or most, several of their moms would drive them, you know, to and from boot camp and rush because at the same time. And their moms mm-hmm. would have like lunches made and they would like Mm-hmm. help do their hair and the moms were like really into it and really invested and I remember being like oh this is kind of fucking weird I think about that all the time and how hilarious my like rush experience was comparatively because like my family at the time I mean I I don't come from a lot of money I don't come from like a wealthy family and at the time when I was rushing I, I just knew you had to have like a lot of outfits, right? Like I knew mm-hmm. you had to have all the dresses and all the things. And reminder, this and was 10 years ago. This is so 10 years ago. That, so that is, just, I mean, think about how is, HBO didn't even br- brush the surface. hundred percent. No. Of how like, insane this is. Yeah. So I, I remember going with my mom to, uh, when we, when we decided I was going to rush, I went to ice water teas in the spring, which is basically. What is that? So Icewater Teas is like a, um, an event in the, I think it was in February of 2013. So my senior year, I was like committed to Alabama. I was going to go to school there. I was going to audition for the Crimson Nets by this point. And, um, I said, I want to go down for one more visit and I want to go to Icewater Teas, which is basically just a kind of a precursor to rush and sort of like a, a chance for you to go through a smaller recruitment essentially. So like a, like a showcase kind of, yeah. So basically like, um, I remember I wore like a peplum top and jeans. Very, very 2012, very 2012, 2013. (laughs) Jason, I wore a chunky necklace for sure. Um, so did you rush in 2013? Yes. Yeah. So that was the year that was the year that it allegedly integrated. Correct. And didn't like one black girl was given a bid. There were two. And okay. one was my friend and the other was, um, at another, like very prominent house on campus that was like still deemed old row. Mm-hmm. Um, and she got in, I believe because like something crazy had happened where every house had dropped her. And I remember that this. this girl was, I mean, the epitome of the, the most perfect 
perfect, perfect rush candidate you could be. She had like a 4.0. She was involved in everything. She, um, I think that she had a either parent or grandparent of sorts that was like board of trustees level, like new people, Mm -hmm. like was very involved in the campus and the university, big donors to the university and was dropped by every house. And then eventually like one, one, this one sorority that she was a legacy in, which legacies are a very big deal at Alabama. Like if you are, if you have a mom or a sister or a aunt that was in said sorority, um, your odds of getting a bid are basically like, you're basically a shoe in. Mm-hmm. And I believe she was a legacy for this particular sorority, not at Alabama necessarily, but at another school. And, um, and got dropped by this sorority. And so that's when like everything blew up. Her parents right. like lost their shit. And like, and then I, I believe she was extended a bid by that sorority, but only after, only after it blew up. Right. So only right, after right. USA Today, CNN, Fox News, everybody was on our campus covering this story because it was like, it was nationwide at that point. Like, yeah, they got caught being racist. Yeah. Y'all got <laughs> caught being racist. So what the fuck? Um, but yeah, I mean, like to sort of like wrap this up, my, my knowledge of recruitment was that coming from a small town in Eastern Iowa, a very, by the way, predominantly white small town in Eastern Iowa was that I had no people, you know, I made a TikTok similar to yours, Haley, about like, Mm -hmm. about like how I don't think people are ready for like the racism that happens in these sororities. And people were like, well, obviously, like all these people commented, were like, obviously it's the South, duh. And I'm like, okay, I get, I totally understand that comment. I do 100%. Having gone there, I get it. But you must understand that like, I didn't get it at the time. Yeah, I didn't get it at the time. 2012, 2013, dude, people were just like way better at hiding the racism up North. So like it was just way better at it. So when you go down to the South, it is just bizarre. It's a whole other realm of you're like, wait, what? Like you're well, not- and that's what, and I, and I did talk about this on TikTok too, because I made kind of like a, a part two because people were, it was received 90% of people were like, holy fuck. I can't believe that happened, right. but I can super believe that happened. I'm sorry that that did yeah. happen. And then a lot of other people were just like gaslighting me and telling me that like, I'm wrong and stupid. So, yeah. but in that I'm like, the story here is that I'm dripping in privilege of being white passing. And so mm-hmm. I had never mm-hmm. experienced racism in a day in my life until I was 19 years old and stuff, but on in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Like that's, like, I had that's, never seen it until like I went that, to the South. Guys, like that's the point. Mm-hmm. That's the right. point. Right. Um, I am the one thing that, so, and I talked, I said this with Tabor is that they, briefly briefly touched on like too many things they couldn't narrow their focus in the documentary that they grazed they grazed over so many things but they didn't dive into absolutely anything that like this should have been a four six part documentary of like an entire episode on the racism an entire episode on the machine which we'll get to in a second but the one thing that i am happy that they kept in is that they had and i should have looked up her what her name was um before talking about this but the woman who was an AKA in the eighties and experienced and the cross, the cross mm-hmm. burning. Yeah. Maggie, I remember this just, I think should represent what the culture at Alabama was like, and probably very much still is. I remember very vividly being told that that was an urban legend and that never actually happened. Yeah. hundred percent. When it absolutely did. The gaslighting and yeah. the, and just the lying that like the a lying. lot of, a lot of people who who are from Alabama or who 
deeply, deeply um, are just so devoted, blindly devoted to this university right. are willing to um, it's cover willing to tell you, yeah, yeah, they're willing to tell you because they don't want this thing that they have painted in their, in their minds as this like holier than thou institution where Nick Saban is, you know, God, and, mm-hmm. and we all flock to the church of God Satan. forbid it's deeply flawed. And yeah. Right. And so you know, that's why, like, I literally always say, I'm like, you can love something and still really want it to change. And that oh my is, God, yes, and that absolutely. is, yeah, that yeah. is the, how exactly how I feel about Alabama. Like, I, I, I actually agree. I completely agree. Yeah. And like, I've struggled with this for several years, like mainly actually like just post 2020 mm-hmm. when I realized that a lot of our friends sucked. <laughs> like, And most of the, like most of the people I went to school with are racist. Like, yeah, that yeah. Was a it's big eye opener, I think. Which like, is it? And then like, I, there was a lot of like, you know, self-blame of like, why didn't I notice this more? Like, why didn't I speak up and say, Hey, can you take the fucking Confederate flag down off of the place that I live? But like, again, I carried shame because I didn't understand Right. because I, I, I showed up to a place thinking the world was one way and then learning quickly that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I was very conflicted about that. So, um, but yeah, it's institutional lying and cover-ups for a really fucked up culture. And on that note, what was your experience with the machine? <laughs> oh, I love this so much. Because I also remember um, standing in the kitchen with our former roommate and it like coming up and me being like, wait, what is this? And I remember like Googling it and reading the Wikipedia page. And I was like, where am I? Like, yeah, where am I? Bizarre. And it's like, I think it when you first learn about the machine at Alabama and you're going like, and you're a student there, you sort of are like, I mean- at least for, I think people like you and I, it's like, oh, it's another like true crime. I think I can like investigate. And you're like, no, and then Maggie, you quickly totally. understand that it is not at all. Wait, that. Maggie, I thought it was like juicy. I'm like, oh, it's like the Illuminati. Like, you know, I was they, thinking like, yeah. okay. So my experience with the machine is that I, I didn't know what the machine was at all. In how did you learn? How, how, what was the, do you remember the first time you ever heard about yes, it? Yes. Okay. It was from a, um, <clears throat> a woman named, uh, Mary G will refer to her as and she was in my Rokai group and um Mary was from out of state as well so mm-hmm. we kind of bonded over that over being like these kind of two rogue girls in our Rokai group filled with southern women who we were just like what is Lily Pulitzer what is David Yerman like yeah. we don't know what the fuck <laughs> these things are and um like what's an OTBT which is actually just code for a really fucking fugly shoe so Mary and I were chit-chatting one day and we were sitting down between houses and she looks at me and she goes do you know what the machine is and I was like I have no fucking idea what you're talking about like what is that like is that like a new like clothing line and she was like (laughs) um I literally was like is that another clothing brand I need to know about and she pulled up this article from Esquire and it was basically a a rundown on the history of the machine, how it like its inception, how it began the whole thing. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not real. Like, there's no way that that's real. Like, that's literally not again, a thing. urban legend. Like, yeah, like I was like, that's not a thing. Like, whatever. I'm just like, I'm, I'm not even like entertaining this. I was so tired at that point. I think we were at second, second to last day of rush. So I was like, we're almost a prep day. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not, you know, I spent all this time and money to be here and I'm just going to go and do this. You made an active so, decision to not dig any deeper. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yes, I did. Because I was just like, at that point, I was like, I'm at my limit. Mm-hmm. I am supposed to pick a house tomorrow. So I'm not doing this. And 
I mean, should I have done more research on it? Yes. But alas, whatever. Mary and I both get bids on bid day. And, you know, like I would run into her like periodically at, at frat parties and stuff. And we would have a great time and, you know, just laugh about like rush and whatever. But, you know, she really was kind of the, the part of the inspiration for eventually disaffiliating from my sorority, because I was just like, she kind of began my whole thought process on like, what if this isn't the right thing to do? Like, mm-hmm. what if this isn't the place I'm supposed to be? What if I'm on the wrong side of history with us? Yeah. What if this is the, yeah. What if this is not, um, not in line with my morals and values? And, you know, it's hard. To, I mean, listen, it's hard to know what your morals and values are when you're 17. I think, um, like you're just like, you know, spitballing and seeing what the fuck sticks, but like mm-hmm. it was, learning about the machine at that moment in time, you know, probably it did not change my opinion or it did not change my decision to go into or to Russia sorority, but it did get me thinking about it. And it did get me thinking about like, okay, what is this institution? And then eventually I decided that I wanted to get involved with student government. That Okay. Was, so um, before we get into that for a yeah. second, mm-hmm. just to be clear, anybody, I feel like if you're listening to this, you have a moderate, maybe not, maybe, I don't know. Very briefly, from my perspective, what the machine mm-hmm. is, is, you know what, never mind. I'm just going to pull up the Wikipedia because I'm going to yeah. say it wrong. Yeah, yeah. So the machine, um, you're right. Theta New Epsilon at the University of Alabama is a coalition. By the way, uh, that word cult. is, I feel <laughs> like we should, we should stop at that word. Coalition is, <laughs> I don't know. Language is important. Um, coalition is a coalition of Panhellenic sororities and IFC, um, and NPHC fraternities. I don't know what that is, but IFC is the governing is the governing fraternity council. So Panhellenic yeah. is the governing sorority council. IFC is for fraternities. Okay. That formed a secret society with some degree of influence high over campus and Alabama state and national politics. The group, yes. which has operated in varying degrees of secrecy since 1914, uh, though its roots run deeper into the 19th century, is credited with selecting and ensuring the selection of candidates for student government, mm-hmm. important, homecoming queen and other influential on-campus and off-campus offices, including the Student Government Association Senate. So mm-hmm. that is kind of, that's what we're talking about. And I guess we should have started with all of that, but um the machine essentially has, and you can speak to what was your sorority in the machine, I guess, Correct. or were all sororities in the machine? Um, basically like a vast majority. Um, okay. so and they all had machine representatives, Correct. senators. Uh, no. So okay. kind of two different things. So like, okay. um, and basically I shouldn't say all sororities, like the, the thought and the idea was that all, uh, machine representatives came from quote, old row sororities and fraternities, which at Alabama old row means that you are still basically the gist of old row versus new row is that you're still allowed to be, uh, uh, sponsored and supported by Budweiser by a, by liquor companies. Um, new row means, so my sorority that I was a part, I was a part of Alpha Delta Phi. I'm not afraid to call them out. I have disaffiliated, whatever. When did Um, you, uh, when did you drop? I dropped uh my senior year. I was okay, like, so you were was, in for three years and then dropped senior year. Yeah, it was um, it was shortly after my essay had happened, and uh-huh. um, and I just was like, right, right, this right, is not serving okay. me anymore, like this in any capacity. Okay. Um, and so, so basically, like my sorority was deemed 
old row because it was um, the first sorority on campus. Um, eventually, 80 Pi became new row because we our nationals no longer allowed, you know, Budweiser, et cetera, to sponsor uh, social events. So if if they could sponsor a social event, then you were te- technically old row. But Alabama or but 80 Pi still had um, machine like representatives. And so okay. it was technically old row, I believe. Um, now it might be bigger, but um, basically like you would go to your machine representatives in your sorority or fraternity and you would tell them like, hey, I want to run for X, Y, Z thing. Like I I wanted to get involved in student government. So I, I was heavily involved in student government all through high school. And so I went to college thinking like, I'm going to be an SGA. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not something. Student government association. Yeah. Like, and, and when I was in high school, I mean, it was like, yeah, you had to vote, you had to be voted in to your role, but it wasn't like, you know, but if you weren't, if you didn't win an election, you still could be a part of it in some capacity. Like you right. still could like volunteer or like, do you know, like do whatever. So I go to some, I mentioned something in my sorority about like wanting to get involved. And somebody was like, yeah, go to so-and-so she'll like tell you what to do. And I was like, right. that seems fucking weird, but okay. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't there just a form I can fill out online? Mm-hmm. So you, so like, no, no, no. You have to like wear a cloak and go to a basement. 100% and, <laughs> and light a candle. And so I basically like filled out this form and, you know, put my intention down to like become a SGA Senator and for the school of, I think at the time I was um, in the school of arts and sciences. So, mm-hmm. um, so they have quite, because it's such a large college, they have uh, quite a few senators. So I was expecting fully to like get selected and be able to at least be on the ballot. Um, and I wasn't at all. Like mm-hmm. they literally were just like, nope, sorry. And I was like, wait, this makes no sense. Like I've done this for years. Like what is what's happening here? All I'm trying but to do. It's, but it's so, I feel like in the cloak, wheel meaning of the word political it's like it's so it, it's it's and they, they politic want, they want whoever the people that i knew who got into sga as a freshman because that's when you get in if you don't mm-hmm. get in as a freshman you will right. not get in the people i knew who got in as freshmen were like people who were like uh, like merit scholars and like mm-hmm. people who were like basically they had a it was almost like they had a four-year plan for them before they even got into SGA, which was essentially like, they'll be a Senator their their freshman year, sophomore year. They're going to move into a little bit more of a a leadership position. Mm -hmm. Junior year, they'll be president of SGA or VP of student affairs. And then senior year, they can fuck off and do whatever and get prepped for the, um, like their internship at JD, JP Morgan. And (laughs) that's like literally how the whole progression of it went. It's it's the machine pipeline. 100%. So it was, that was my first experience with like the machine and how it all transpired. And it was absolutely bizarre. Um, my senior year is when Elliot Spillers was yeah. Right. Okay. So Mm -hmm. when I was a senior, SGA the the reason so like I had honestly I had forgotten about the machine a little bit mm-hmm. like I you know we talked about it I thought it was really weird and like giving Illuminati but I kind of just like didn't think about it for like a couple of years but then when I was a senior um that's his name right Elliot Spillers correct yeah okay so mm-hmm. Elliot Spillers is a black man I think he's from Alabama actually I'm not even gonna say that because I actually don't know where he's from but it doesn't matter 
he was a black man, highly successful, high achieving, mm-hmm. ran for SGA president. And it was the first time in like many, 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 many years 40 that years, I believe. both a black man and a non-machine candidate won the SGA president election. Mm-hmm. I am the opposite of you. I could give a fraction of a fuck about the SGA and like student politics, mm-hmm. but I fucking voted in that election, obviously. 100%. Yeah. And I remember it was like a big uproar on campus. And I remember the night of the election or the night he, it was called that he won. I was at a pure bar meeting and do you hold on? I'm going to text you her name. You taught in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, you do. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. So at this pure bar meeting, this girl, she looked at me and goes, well, I bet you're happy he won. And I'm like, Why? Because, you know, I could have done the thing that, you know, racists like that when you say something, when you say a microaggression, you know, they like when we just kind of like cower and walk away. But I was so pissed off and I was like actually like getting really involved in it, it was the first time that like my ears had perked up during this mm-hmm. election that like, yeah. wow, there's something here that I've actually been actively ignoring to like protect my peace. <laughs> but yeah, I and like now the person I am now, I would have like, I mean, I don't know. I like would have burned Gorgas to the ground probably. Yeah. But um, I said, why? And I made her stumble through an explanation of because he's black. And so am I like, what? So, and then she texted me later that night, apologizing. Well, good. I mean, good. Yeah. I, w- I regret a lot about that time. And a big regret is that I wasn't, Um, I didn't speak up for myself enough, whether it was, ripping down the flag on the porch or mm-hmm. like telling her to go to hell or just being a little bit more cognizant of my surroundings and not being silent and being very um just like complacent in a mm-hmm. really sad really really harmful culture yeah absolutely so the machine was always known as this like very or not known, I guess, as this very, very, I mean, it was a secret. It was a big old secret. And you even notice in the documentary when the director or whomever the producer is interviewing these girls asked these two girls, what do you know about the machine? And they shyly just said, I don't know what you're talking about, but they like smiled and looked at each other. That's what it's like. It's this big secret. You're not supposed to talk about it. It's institutionalized secrecy. However, one girl on campus was an SGA or I'm sorry, it was a machine senator, correct? And she kind of blew the whistle, wrote an article in the Crimson White about mm-hmm. her, you know, the fucked up mm-hmm. to, to put it lightly or more blatantly, of the machine, the inner workings in the Crimson White, which was our newspaper, really like a whistleblower in the true sense of the word. And she, her name's Alex Smith. She was in mm-hmm. the documentary and she was a very dear friend of ours because she's Crimsonette. And she was a freshman when I was a senior. So we only twirled together for one year. Um, she's a really incredible person and beyond brave because that, I mean, I can't even think of probably anything riskier to do at the time when it comes to like social ostracization, Mm -hmm. um, because she was, I, she's, I don't think she's secretive about this. She was a fine you, which was, Mm -hmm. I think for all intents and purposes deemed the top house. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a big deal, but she, um, and she was interviewed in the documentary and, I don't know if she'll like me saying this, but like she was 
she said, I haven't watched it yet. Like when I was, you know, said that I'd watch it, she said, I haven't watched it yet. I'm getting mixed reviews. And I was like, it was pretty quick. Like your segment, the machine segment was really quick. And she was pissed because she was like, I gave them, I'm not gonna say what she said that she gave them, but she gave them a lot. Yeah. she And that's, and that, and that's just an example of the disservice that this documentary did on touching on, on touching on everything, but digging into nothing. Mm -hmm. And the transitions were dreadful from like the machine to then some random girl doing her makeup being like talking about nothing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was so chaotic and messy messy and, but in frustrating because it's like, you could have created a piece of art that was really meaningful and like could have been culturally shifting because, and you had all the information to do it and you did a massive disservice to people who actually genuinely have been harmed by an institution, by a culture or by a community that like, I just feel very disappointed in the whole thing. And I think you feel the same. Yeah. The, I mean, for, for myself, the, it's so funny looking at this documentary as somebody who went through rush because Mm -hmm. who went through Bama rush, because I, I, I think to myself, this was marketed as a, a, as an investigative journalism piece Mm -hmm. that ended up being a diary of a woman who has a disease and then, and then links her personal experience with said disease to uh, her fascination with Bama Rush. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's an issue with that. I'm not saying that, that she doesn't have an interesting story or that she doesn't have a compelling life to share. I just think that you cannot brand something and have the literal commercial for this documentary. The little, the literal trailer of this documentary says at the very end, this very one specific line. And this is what made me so mad about the documentary during the trailer. It says this, this movie could end rush at the university of Alabama as we know it. No, I think all of Tuscaloosa were breathing a sigh of relief because this was not going to do anything. And I go, you would need nine documentaries to put right. a dent in Rush at Alabama, <laughs> yeah. but you could have done it. Like, it yeah, could have they could have done. done it. Did yeah. you hear the rumor that Netflix is doing one? I hope they do. I hope that I, I do does too. something and just dives deeper into this because it's there is so much to tell, and there's so many people who are on the other side of it now who would be who are more than well, willing to share their experiences. And their experiences are, you know, it's, it's, you're so jaded when you're going through it, when you're on the other side of it, you're much more able to express what it was actually like and, and really dive into the, the intricacies of it. But when you're in it, all you want is to be accepted. Bingo. I'm God. What an excellent, what an excellent segue. All you want it. All you want is to be accepted. And from my perspective, they, I, I, I'm interested in how they sought out the girls who they kind of chronicled and I'm interested how they found them, but it seems that they, I don't know if I want to use the word targeted, but they utilized girls who did deeply crave acceptance and they were craving, they appeared to have to struggle with Mm self-esteem and they wanted to be accepted and they wanted to find friends and sisterhood. And this just, it made my stomach hurt almost because I'm like, mm-hmm. this is going to do the diametrical opposite of that. I mean, I maybe they'll get lucky and maybe like... that's not the case, but I mean, okay. Talk about the social media part of it. 
so two of the girls said one of the girls said that she, the only no both of them said that the only reason they chose the university of alabama is because they saw bama the rush, rush bama rush on tiktok that's why they chose to go to the university that is bananas to me tiktok TikTok obviously didn't exist like there should be an entire documentary on that alone is the social media influence of these young yeah i mean i mean impressionable Mm -hmm. young women right who do just crave to not be an other they just want to fit in Mm -hmm. trust me y'all i wanted to deeply fit in Mm -hmm. within the university of Mm -hmm. alabama and I very much never felt that way, but yeah. like, obviously TikTok didn't exist when we were going through this, obviously right. Instagram barely existed. I remember when I downloaded Instagram, it was at the um, SEC championship, my sophomore yeah, year. I don't... That's when I downloaded Instagram. I, by the way, created KDE and I, we created the UA Crimson Hats Instagram. <laughs> yeah. It was created with my cell phone number. Okay. <laughs> I'm the one, Katie and I started the University of Alabama Crimson at Instagram, which by the way, I have not followed in years. <laughs> Same. I unfollowed it quite a long <laughs> yeah. time ago, unfortunately. Um, I'm not going to say your name because she will not want to be involved in this, but has them blocked. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It has them blocked. <laughs> Are you fucking like, serious? I love yeah. her so, so much. I know. I know. Long. So like that's, that's, that's the imagine if we would have had to deal with all of this plus social media but that's why like a friend of mine texted me today and he was like trigger warning crimson hut and it was on tiktok it was a tiktok of i think the current captain and he was like are they all like this now and i'm like yeah yeah they weren't they weren't back in the day though because tiktok didn't exist which makes me really sad and i don't want to generalize and i i i I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's I want all of these girls to feel 100% awesome. 100% of the time. It's not about ripping these girls to shreds because I'm Mm -hmm. telling you, they don't know any different. Right. But it is about sharing an experience that is very universal and, and is still is like, no matter the technology that exists, it's only gotten it it all. It's just gotten astronomically worse with the invention of like the OOTDs and the, my shoes are amazon yeah, necklaces yeah, or like, you know whatever so i can't imagine going through rush now it would just be the the detriment to your mental health that that i i can't even imagine it would be awful and yeah it was already awful when i went through it and it was already it already felt like you could never measure up to whatever the fuck these houses wanted of you and yeah. i can't imagine how that feels now and i also can't imagine being on the other side of rush now as somebody trying to take in all these girls and like you know nitpicking through their their social media accounts and looking at their tiktoks and looking at their instagrams and like deciding based off of basically that information alone Mm -hmm. if they're worthy enough to be in your sorority oh my god that to me is like right i can't imagine either side of it no so i'm looking at my little um my notes here just to make sure like we went over everything i wanted to oh my god also i touched on this with Tabor, and he said 100 didn't the um <clears throat> didn't the rush coaches like weren't they like really giving local pageant director the <laughs> i'm gonna tell you a quick story just really fast and you can okay. cut you can cut this out if you want i don't care okay okay so a couple of weeks ago, I am very, very, very removed from the pageant world and pageant community, and I mm-hmm. um, don't subscribe to it anymore. However, well, I, you have to do a pageant 
episode and like I'm gonna give you like a four week break and then you just come back <laughs> I'll do it whenever but because I'm actually going to miss Iowa this year it's my five really? year it's my five I said to myself five years ago I was like I might go back in five years. So, but one of my very, very dear friends is still a, is a local pageant director and not, she's like young and like cool. She's not like, you know, fucking weird. But um, she asked me, asked me to help out with this mock pageant a couple of weeks ago, just here at, at Bradley. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Oh, my mom does them all the time. My mom was on her yeah. way to do a mock interview last week and I ran out of gas on the side of the road and I made her turn around and come save me. <laughs> me and it was me and Rue just sitting on the side of the road. I ran out, fully ran out of gas, and I lied to Tabor and told him that the battery in the car died. <laughs> I love this. I love it. Anything to get out of a mock interview. <laughs> they really are the worst. And I go to this mock pageant, and I'm, you know, helping out, and I'm the judge on the judge's side of things. And I'm just thinking to myself, the parallels between sorority recruitment and pageantry are- Oh, Yeah insane it, it impossible is no, to ignore yeah yeah it, it, there's no surprise to me that there was a girl included from the north who did pageants for most of her life who then decided to rush that that pipeline is so strong it is it, it's insane but it's like at the end of the day again all of these institutions right like i always correlate this to like you know i grew up a catholic so catholicism pageantry mm. sorority recruitment crimsonettes all of these things all that these institutions make you believe is that once you're in them you will feel differently about yourself mm-hmm. and yeah you will you feel, feel better you'll feel yeah, better you'll feel better you'll and like and it doesn't really matter what quote better means or how you get there but it's just that you're gonna feel it and so you're like okay got it like I'll do whatever then like because we're all just desperate for belonging and that's it mm-hmm. and like and I think like this, this documentary really alludes to that in terms of like what the director is saying. And like, you know, it's, it's at first I was sort of like, yeah, you fully bait and switched us here. Like you essentially took a, a, a journal and, and made it into a documentary that you branded as something completely different. From my perspective, she was trying to tell a story about belonging Exactly. And, and fitting in mm-hmm. and feeling ostracized, but craving, feeling um, like you're a part of something and mm-hmm. being accepted. Mm-hmm. She wanted to create a documentary or she wanted to tell a story about that. And for some unknown reason, chose Bama Rush to tell that story. Exactly. And in doing so, in my opinion, in doing so, wasted an yes. entire wasted a huge opportunity to Mm -hmm. not to say that her story doesn't matter. Obviously, obviously that matters. And that is a, that is a a documentary worth watching, Mm -hmm. but that's not what it was marketed as. And I've read or listened to a couple other podcasts actually that said it really well, um, that she almost took advantage of the, the rumors on TikTok, and she took advantage of the marketing and actually like leaned into the investigative journalistic marketing that we were served Mm -hmm. knowing full well that that wasn't the story. Instead, it was just a bunch of like B roll of these girls, like swimming in the river. Like, what are you doing? The black warrior river. Isn't that like (laughs) not a safe place to swim by the way? (laughs) For sure. No. Drowned in there. Like for sure. No, it was so, (laughs) it was just so boring. Okay. So 
Um, my final thoughts on this are, I like typically like to think of things of like, and I do this with parenting a lot. Like, is there a net positive here or a net negative? Or is it neutral? Like <laughs> Greek life and all Alabama Greek life for sure. I mean, I feel like I can clearly say whether it's the self-esteem of the young woman participating, the cultural impact of the supremacy, uh, whether it's white supremacy, it's gendered. Um, because we honestly, we didn't even touch on the misogyny, Ew, the creepy part of the frat. Boys, yeah. Like the creepiness the of the frat boys, the, how they, it, it's just so stuck in the past in this community is so deeply on the wrong side of history. Mm -hmm. Like I see a net negative here, but then there's so many people in the media who are like, Oh my God, all people are doing these days is talking shit about Greek life. I had such, I had, I mean, people DM me even on Instagram and I've hardly talked about it on Instagram. It's really on TikTok that I've been kind of airing the dirty laundry about this. I've had women DMing me like older women who are like, I had the best time in my life. I made lifelong friends. I made my best, I made my bridesmaid and it's already. And I'm like, again, but no. at what cost no. to other people? Like you had, it, it's entirely positive for someone to have a positive experience but, but like, this is like a huge philosophical argument that I'm like way too tired to dig into, but it's like, you have an okay experience, but like collectively, is this harmful? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I had an okay experience. I wouldn't say it was overtly negative or overtly positive. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I had a very just like meh experience in sorority mm -hmm. life, um, looking back you know like while I was in it I think I was like this is the best thing ever but like you know as I look back I'm sort of like that was fucked up and weird right. um I'm very much on the side of abolishing Greek life I think that I don't think it yeah. should exist I don't think it serves anybody in a positive way like I think that you're right it is it is harmful to many and positive for a very small fraction of people and yeah that's where you have to look and be like, okay, is this something we still need? Is this something that we should still support? Like, and, and I, I'm just always very much now on the side of like, let's abolish it. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing good here. There's nothing that I've seen where I'm like, ah, oh, the good outweighs the bad. Like, right. Because the bad, the good is like, you make some friends. And the bad is the that bad is experience racism and subject yourself to rape every weekend. I well, okay, so <laughs> like uh, well, so that was what I was gonna say is like, may, okay, in the South, obviously there's the supremacy argument, but let's say let's say in the Big Ten, when you don't really have the racism piece, at least you know in your that like hidden more, yeah, yeah. Um, big drinking culture is not slowing down anytime soon. The sexual assault statistics on campus are I've, you can speak to this light years better than I can um but it's yeah I think this to me this is a net negative but actually mm -hmm. on the that note do you want to make a plug for the um Tuscaloosa PD documentary absolutely uh there's a lovely documentary if you actually want something worth watching um <laughs> it is called it is called victim slash suspect victim suspect on Netflix and um I'm going to totally fuck up her name now, Rachel something. Um, an investigative reporter did an absolutely beautiful job uh, for like six years of collecting information um, on various sexual assault survivors who uh, essentially 
had their cases turned into a uh a uh, essentially like a what's the term wrongful reporting or like a yeah. um misreporting or whatever well, um, they they were charged with filing false reports, correct? correct? Yeah. Right. So they they flipped the charges instead, and mm-hmm. whatever the girls' case, it, whatever the girls were bringing in and saying, "Hey, this was my case," they would flip it on them. Um, so, hence the title: "The victim turns to the suspect." Um, it heavily features Tuscaloosa PD and um, a woman that I um, that rushed the same year that I did, um, and so I cannot recommend it enough. It is a lovely lovely documentary incredibly incredibly hard to watch but it is actually so worthwhile so well and to me it's infuriating that that is getting no press no press yeah no, no press. press i mean it got compared like a to, couple yeah yeah comparatively it got like you know a couple of plugs in the new york times and that's about it you know but it's but that's how these things go like right. yeah so you know it's not as sparkly Okay. Well, mm-hmm. Maggie, you're the best. I love you so much. Um, Thanks for having me. Follow Marge on TikTok. Uh, sure. I don't post there a lot anymore because I, I don't either. I'm kind of over it. Out. Same. Oh my God. I'm so, I'm so over it. Maggie, yesterday I'm like scraping bottom of the barrel. I posted yesterday about me spray painting my boxwood plants. <laughs> I'm like, so sorry, Haley. At the end you go. <laughs> it doesn't look that bad. Like I just I girl bossed like I you did too. We girl bossed too close to the sun and now we are burnt out. And now I have twenty five thousand followers who are like, what the fuck is happening? No, I know. And I'm like, I'm so tired. I literally posted TikTok being like, I don't have any content to make. I'm really tired. Don't unfollow me. Or do like I super up to you. (laughs) The thing about like TikTok followers is that they don't like people don't go through their followers and like, or no, like I know. So I feel like they're here to stay and it's just, they gonna are. Be a, it's just going to be a flex for the next few years. <laughs> the next- okay. Wait, hold on. I have to think about this or anything else I want to talk to you about. Uh, no. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. We're going to wrap this up. I love you so much. Um, so much. I'll probably, I'll call you in like 10 minutes. Okay. Love okay. You. Lovely. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>